Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. Hey. This is Pastor Scott with Pastors <laughs> Reggie, Brian, and Matt. You have to wait for me to introduce you. Nope. That's, that's <laughs> we're, we're shaking it up. You don't have to do, you don't have to do anything they tell you to do. This might be the last time we invite you. <laughs> he was talking it. to Matt, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure. I've heard those words before. <laughs> we don't invite him. He just shows up. I don't know how you keep knowing when we're recording. I, I purposely leave you off it's, the emails. It's all on base camp. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We we are, uh, yeah, lots going on, lots going on in the world, lots going on um, here at the church. The uh, But this week... We wanted to take some time, and actually starting this week and over the um, coming months, just to take some time to walk through walk through our church's core values one at a time. You, we have core values? See, this is what I'm a little bit concerned about. <laughs> I, I think that, that a lot of people may, uh, I think our, our leadership are familiar with them, but uh, a lot of people may not even know kind of what our, our church's core values are. And I think this is actually a really unique opportunity and a, a unique time when people are, when we've been separated physically for so long, I think people sometimes even like wonder like, wait, wait, who, who are we as a church again? Like what, what is like distinct? Like what is this? And ultimately we are about Jesus, right? Ultimately we are a, a body, a family that are, that have been created because of our union in Christ. Um, and as we live that out, there are, we've identified some specific things that are local church that, that are unique to our local church that that we think are really really important to living that identity out in our world I mean we call them our core values and the, the goal of our core, core values actually isn't that they would be thrown up on a wall and people would be like okay yeah I guess we ascribe to those I don't they're not they don't seem like us but I guess we should try to be that I think sometimes that's what core values can be our, our core values were actually developed a, a few years ago as a vocabulary to try to describe what people actually already recognize and feel and about who we are as a church. And so our hope is that when we talk about these core values, you, you wouldn't go, oh, okay, I guess that's something nice to shoot for. Our hope is that when you, you, we talk about these core values, you would be able to, to hear them and hear us describe them and be like, oh, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I've experienced as a part of this body. I, I know that that's important because it is at the core of who we are and how we live. So... Um, Look at that. See, I should look at my own questions before we start these things. My first question is, what are core values and why do we have them? And I just I just uh, did that. So let's go to question number two. Nailed it. Let's go to question number two. Um, what are our core values? You, you don't even you, you don't get a cheat sheet. Let's see if we can do them off the top of our head. What what how many core values do we have and what what are they? Who wants to start? Wait, wait, let's go around the table and see We're who gospel centered. One. I got <laughs> gospel centered. Dang it! I was going to go first. Uh, <laughs> um, th- uh, theologically engaged. That's Ooh. one of them. Theologically, we're gospel centered. We're theologically engaged. I like that we've turned this into a game show. By the way, this, this is, is good. This is good. For five points. <laughs> What's next, Matt? Uh, we are intentionally unified. Intentionally unified. We are people oriented. Is that the right word? Yep. We are collaboratively structured. Oh, there's one more. It's. I know what it, it is. It, 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 it's four and one. Let me give you a hint. Oh, this was on Jeopardy last night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it ends in engaged. <laughs> no, invested. It's not engaged. It's invested. Ends in invested. Locally and globally invested. invested. Uh, okay. I was trying that's, to give him hints. That's yeah. okay. Okay. 
I was mostly there. That did, lasted long enough. Did we enough. decide on, is there like an ampersand in the middle? Is it locally and globally invested? Or is it, or is it slash? We're not, there was cool, a slash for we're not cool enough for glocally. We can't do glocally. We'll, we'll also, talk about Is that this. a coolness issue? Yes, it's a coolness issue. It also, <laughs> only cool people is the can cool use, option? Yeah. I, I don't know if you met the uh, glocals, but they are might, very cool. You might need to redefine cool. Yeah, oh, well. So, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. I still... Hold that that's that's more than one core value. Can but we say we'll get there? It is it is more than one. But can you say all of them together? Let, let, let's walk let's walk through them. So we're not gospel, like not like you know the game show style. We're gospel centered, <laughs> which means what's our tagline for gospel centered? Uh, I don't know. We have tagline. We are so, oh, no, we are so was, prepared. No, for it this. was the it was, oh you know what it was the discipleship <laughs> pathway. We're gospel centered. Yeah, that's everything right. yeah, everything yeah, okay. flows out of the gospel. We are people oriented in in meaning that we prioritize people over programs. Right. The the goal of the church is even as an organization is to serve and facilitate people, not just to do programs. So we're people oriented. We're theologically engaged. Which means we're fluent in the gospel and culture. That's right, fluent in the gospel and tagline. culture. How they yeah. engage together. We're collaboratively structured, which uh, leading and ministering together. together. Leading and ministering together. Wow, that was good. We are the deep reach. Um, we are intentionally unified. Intentionally unified. So the, that's building, the multi-blank church. Building a multi-blank church. Yeah, and um, we are locally and globally invested. And that was like the, it's the box that yes. we talked about with like mission and care. Heart and for the lost, local and global. heart for the marginalized, locally and globally. Exactly. I actually, I, I go through, these, the world, I go through I these core values in the intro class. So oh, I should be even, most familiar with them. You should. You should. So today though, we're, we're just going to focus on what today we're going to talk about. We're going to start with, and kind of the, the first one, it always kind of starts first, is the fact that we are gospel centered. And... Um, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people would say like, oh, okay, well, if you're a Christian, you're gospel-centered. Like, why is that distinctive? Why is that, that a core value of the church? What, what what do we mean by the fact that we're gospel-centered? So I, one of the things that you want to talk about with the, just the phrasing gospel-centered is how the other core values that we're going to cover are a little more unique. They're not as commonly heard. Um, and so this is probably the one that you want to make sure that we're the, kind of the clearest about about what we mean, because there are plenty of ways where gospel-centered can be almost like a trademark that gets thrown on stuff these days in kind of church or Christian culture. So, you know, you've got gospel-centered churches, and you've got gospel-centered books, and you've got gospel-centered, I don't know, money management, or whatever. Yeah. Like, like everything's in front, gospel-centered. in front of every, every book title, gospel-centered yeah. parenting, gospel-centered. And there's a lot of good ones with that, but that's everywhere. Yeah, and so like you, you, at some point, it can lose meaning when it gets so pervasive like that, and so it becomes important to to talk through what it means. And I, there's several different facets we could talk about. One of the obviously the main ones is that when we're talking about the gospel and being centered on it, we're talking about the person and the work of Jesus Christ and what He did in taking our place on the cross and rising from the dead for our justification and our future. And that good news of Jesus Christ is something that we don't look at as either an add-on. So there's a bunch of stuff that we're really about, but we're also about that. And it's not something that we look at as a first step that we move past. So we, you learn about Jesus and the gospel when you become a Christian. And then after that, we focus on sort of quote unquote deeper things or quote unquote more like mature or important things. The gospel is something that we're going to focus on and have a centrality about in the way that we talk, in the way that we emote, in the way that we preach, in the way that our community groups uh, function, in the way that we encourage and admonish one another in kind of the entirety of the church. 
it's going to be the thing that you find as that central kind of fulcrum thing that we're always coming back to and that we're always getting the most excited about. And so everything, almost like the spokes in a wheel, everything comes together in that central gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I think that's really key and important because I think when we think about how being gospel-centered makes us distinct as a church, I think that the, the temptation is to view the gospel as the thing that you uh, that gets you into the church, and then you kind of move beyond kind of being the church. So, so how, how does that like gospel centeredness uh, make us distinct? And, and what, what does it look like maybe when a church or even a, a, a group of Christians are seeking to live life together, but not in a way that, that has the gospel at the center of everything, not just the entry point, but like at the center of everything we do. What, what makes that unique? I think it's just, it's really easy for church to, I mean, church in general, but any church specifically in any local uh, environment to, to slip into uh, basically a social club kind of thing where this is where we all gather together. This is what we do when we, we hang out and we're, we, you know, sure Jesus. And it takes it, it, there's a temptation I think for things to become very, stay very surface level and not go deep. Uh, and I think that having, you know, a gospel centeredness and a focus on gospel centeredness, um, by way of reminder, and we, and we do that every week, um, uh, through our, our church services is, is a very specific and concrete way in which we are actively pressing in, uh, on the truth of the gospel rather than having it be like, sort of like, like Ryan was saying that one time moment, um, it's that kind of deliberate focusing is something that it's very easy to forget. Um, so it's something that needs to be needs to be practiced uh, as a means of um, reminding ourselves and and keeping the truth fresh and uh, as we see how it it applies to everything. Yeah, and I and I would say uh, there's something really powerful about focusing on the gospel. A, a lot of it is because there's such a natural tendency i think in our hearts to drift from it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and that that personal struggle of having the gospel and being gospel centered individually personally is something that can be manifested not just in an individual's life but also in a corporate body mm -hmm. um and there's a sense in which uh churches sometimes wander or drift not just individually but corporately all together as one body a church can be drifting away from the gospel towards um, you know, a kind of moralism or um, legalism that uh, maybe we say Jesus died for your sins, but the way we act and the way we treat one another, it actually is more like um, forgiveness is not part of Christianity, that this is uh, uh, about following rules and only following rules. And there's a, a tendency towards legalism that can happen individually, but also corporately in the body. And there's also a tendency, uh, I think, in some churches to go the other direction and say that you know, following God isn't important at all. And so you have this kind of loose living that can be a part of, or antinomianism is like the official term, where everyone just kind of does whatever they want. Um, and that can happen individually, but it can also happen corporately. And so the gospel kind of recenters us at every point to say, um, we are uh, we are bathed in the blood of Christ. We are uh, washed clean, washed new, and everything we do in our lives is meant to spring forth from that message and that hope and that truth of what the gospel is. That's really helpful. So, okay. So I, I have two questions, but, but before we get to there, I, I was, uh, I was having a little bit of trouble spelling questionnaire before <laughs> this all started. 
before we hit record. Do you want to try right now? <laughs> no. Uh, do you want to give some context? <laughs> no, no, it's good. No, it's good. I was just having a little trouble. We were just sitting, we were having a spelling contest and on my, our, my, our Tuesday afternoon spelling contest. My justification is the questionnaire is one of the words that gets autocorrected in Word. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how many N's it has, how many R's it has, or even if it has an E at the end, however you spell it, it's going to end up right because it autocorrects. Yeah. So two N's, one R, and an E at the end. Mm-hmm. That's the that's that's the conclusion. So I bring this up because <laughs> does everyone I, know that you have trouble spelling? Like spelling I, is like, I, uh, as a person who loves using a whiteboard and has trouble spelling, it's, it's really a bad and kind of an embarrassing uh, it, combination. It's, it's not embarrassing. We still love you, but, <laughs> but if you ever find any spelling errors in anything Scott writes, you're not the only one. It's, Don't this be surprised. Is just it's just the world we live in. So the reason I bring this up, though. It's a long way around. I want to know if you can spell antinomianism. <laughs> Me? Yeah, that was a big word. It's a lose-lose. It's a big word. A-N-T-I. Because <laughs> you either can't. A-N-T-I-N-O-M-I-A-N-I-S-M. And see, you lose still. Yeah. I just realized as he started, I have no idea if that's right or wrong. There's an E at the end. It means against the law. Right against any kind of law, any kind of. Rule. I thought you had right. some long game about how, like, we also like the gospel. Yeah. Is yeah. That's why I thought he was somehow. going too. Like, I thought you had something. That's I was, where I I was we were so going. ready to boo him. I was ready to boo. <laughs> that is it's not a spelling bit. That's what he, that's <laughs> when you spell things wrong in your life, Jesus is always there to correct. This is nice. the gospel. This is what it means. The gospel, the gospel is autocorrect. <laughs> That's a horrible analogy, but this really is. Just to let everyone know. That's why my boo was ready. I was ready to boo. Reggie was ready to boo too. He was about to come over and slap the the microphone out of Scott's face. You just you used the the word antinomianism, and I felt it needed to go somehow acknowledged. Why? After five minutes on spelling. Why does anybody (laughs) listen to this podcast? What are you doing? What are you doing? All right. So my my okay. So my two real questions were. to come out of that, it, I kind of want to know how being gospel-centered shapes the church and uniquely shapes the church in this moment that we're in right now. But before we get to that, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about how being gospel-centered impacts the way we do things as a church generally, right? Like over the last, even just over the last decade, how has being gospel-centered shaped and defined who we are? Well, I think just being... <laughs> Being gospel-centered at all, truly, I, I, I kind of said this earlier, but I, I feel like I have seen that in my own life, in my own walk with God in the last 10 years or so to realize, I don't think you people realize that that's not automatic, that constantly going back to the gospel, constantly reminding yourself of the truth of the gospel isn't automatic, isn't something that mm. we naturally do. It's something we have to be taught to do and, and actually do <laughs> so so yeah. so that it be and because it's not automatic uh <laughs> um it requires something of us and it requires a doing on our part um that i think takes practice and i think that for me for me personally just even being a member of this church and then then becoming a, a pastor here just seeing how seeing how that plays itself out um is beyond helpful i, I think it's what we do on a Sunday plays itself out during the week. Mm. So, and it's so that church is something or, or walking with God is not a Sunday checklist thing. It's 
come here to be refreshed so that I can continue to do some means of this in my life uh, uh, personally as, as I leave after having spent time corporately. So uh, to have a steady concentrated time of practice of, 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 of reminding helps me on a Wednesday afternoon to be able to, how can the gospel speak into this when I'm, you know, something happens at work or something happens with the kids or something happens with your spouse or your roommate or whatever it is. Like it's teaching yourself, go back to the gospel. What is How does the gospel, how can the gospel speak to this? And that's something that we very actively try to do here. And then I really think that bears a great deal of fruit when you are actively pursuing it. Yeah. I mean, just yesterday, Reggie, to your point, it wasn't Sunday, it was Monday and I was counseling somebody who was struggling with something. And my solution to them wasn't, a series of do this and do this and do this, do mm. this. Although there's, you know, there's active steps to take at different points. My reminder to that person in that moment of struggle and difficulty as a pastor speaking to them, but also it's true for any brother or sister in Christ speaking to any other brother or sister in Christ in the midst of struggle in the church. My response wasn't, um, you know, to chide them and be, you know, rude to them or uh, be harsh with them. It was speaking the truth in love, but that truth was the message of the gospel. Mm. This person in that moment needed to hear, God loves you. Yes, this isn't perfect. God loves you. Christ died for you. You are completely washed clean. You are completely renewed in Christ. You are in him. You are refreshed. You are justified. And that's what that person needed to hear in the midst of that that uh, struggle in that counseling moment. Mm. And I think you're right that it shapes you not just in the Sunday morning services or the public things that we do, but ongoingly throughout the week as people reflect on um, that message of the gospel and live it out in community and in their own lives, I think there's powerful ways that this shapes us as a body, mm. as a whole um, in, in the midst of life. And that structures a lot of the things that we do, the, the pursuit of that. And so I think if you, if you pay close attention with the idea of one of the core values of the church being gospel-centered, you begin to see things kind of begin to click into place in certain ways that maybe you wouldn't have noticed before. It's more implicit until we kind of bring it to light. So Reg, Reggie talks about our, like our Sunday services are a walk through the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why last Sunday we stopped in the middle of the songs and said, let's talk about confession and assurance of forgiveness, because that's at the heart of what Jesus came to do uh, in the good news of, of redemption and forgiveness and assurance and eternal life. And so like re- we rehearse that in the way our entire services are structured. You only get instruction from the word after we've been through this encounter with God and his holiness and confession and receiving forgiveness through Christ and celebrating and giving thanks for that, that you begin to open up more of what God's done and how that's going to play itself out in our life and these sorts of things. It comes up in our preaching where it's not really ever just a tag on at the end. You know, let's talk about, you know, being wise and making wise choices. And by the way, Jesus died for you. There's a way that these things are all worked together in our equipping, like the discipleship pathway. We don't have time to go into all of it, but it is fallout from the gospel. It's ways of encountering Jesus in the gospel again and a way of living that out and encouraging others in that, in the way that we, uh, we, we go out into our community and into the world. And then maybe the most important one, I can't rank them, but the thing that, the, the thing <laughs> that I think is the, the best place that that uh, shows how we do this is not really in the specific structures we have, but in the culture we're trying to build through those Mm. structures and through the relationships we have with each other. Because what we're trying to do 
is because we're gospel centered and because we believe that all Christian churches should be gospel centered, um, that we're trying to create a culture that reflects that kind of way of loving God and that way of treating and loving one another. So there's verses about, you know, in Ephesians 4, you know, we forgive as God in Christ forgave us. In other words, this gospel that we're talking about is informs how, not just how we treat others in these sort of discrete individual packets in moments, but how our culture as a church should be. Our community should be marked by a kind of grace, a kind of forbearance, a, a kind of a lack of needing to perform to be accepted, uh, a lack of uh, when you uh, fall short or sin, immediate exclusion and no chance for repentance or grace. Hmm. Uh, we ought to be people who find ourselves loving one another, not just in a generic way, like we're being really nice, but in a way that's really shaped and contoured by the gospel that we've received. Hmm. And so you get that parable Jesus tells about the the man who's forgiven much, you know, uh, he's forgiven a giant debt and he goes out and he finds this person who owes him a little bit and then just sort of throws him in debtor's jail. Uh, and that that's not the way Christians are supposed to live. And we're trying to build an entire culture and community that, that s- kind of smells and looks and feels and has an ambiance and a vibe and a culture to it that says the gospel is at the heart of who these people are. And that's why they live the way they live. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come out in ways we counsel and ways we talk to each other in posture and these various sort of ethereal kind of things and in the structures, but all that swirls together to say, this is how we're trying to live this out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you but and connected both of those things, right? Because this is, it, it's both, it, it's both identifiable in our programs. It's both, uh, it's also, you're also able to see it in what we say in the content of what we say, but it's also so much bigger than that is this culture, right? And really, th- this is actually where all of our core values and maybe particularly this one uniquely came from was for a lot of years as we trained up new leaders, as we brought on new pastors, as we um, equipped more and more people for ministry, uh, when people were, when we were thinking through how to teach people and, and, and entrust to people what God had given to us, for a long time, we just said, you know, just hang out for a while and you're going to catch the ethos, <laughs> right? Like this is, these things are who we are. So just hang out for a while and, and, and this is the best way to train you. And I still think in a lot of ways that's true, but our core values are an attempt to give that ethos a vocabulary, right? And by gospel centered, we don't just mean like, again, something we're shooting for, but we mean uh, gospel centered is how we feel like we can describe the the ethos, the, the essence of both the culture of our our church and our relationships and, um, and everything we do. And I mean, you think about the discipleship pathway, the discipleship pathway would look really, really Christian, even if the gospel, the gospel motivation was missing. Hmm. Being gospel centered means that our, our engagement in the Bible in prayer in community on mission really all stems from the fact that Jesus has changed us from the inside out, right? That, that he is, he's called us into this relationship and we're responding to what he's already done for us. We're not, I mean, to, to use your analogy, it's so good, Brian, right? We're not trying to climb up the ladder anymore. Like the gospel tells us we're at the top of the ladder. And so this is how we enjoy that and, and live that out. And so it, it should come up if I think if the gospel is at the center of our lives, it's the center of what it means to be a Christian. It should come up everywhere. It should be in every sermon. It should be in every worship service. It should be in every community group meeting. It should be in every counseling session. It should be in every engagement between one another. And, and by that, we don't necessarily mean like a, a gospel presentation, right? Like presenting the gospel. 
But the, the essence of the gospel, of grace and forgiveness, of love, of rad- the radical obedience that comes from that, of the radical love that, that we show Christ in response to that love, like, it should come up everywhere. It should be the... It should be the culture, not only of us as a church organization, but of us as, as individuals. And so when, when we, our our hope is that when you hear us say, and you even hear us explain what it means to be gospel centered, that if you've been a part of our church family for, for any amount of time that you would hear that and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this church isn't perfect, right? No church is, but yeah, I, I see that. I feel that I've experienced that because, um. We believe that's what that's what God has called the church to be, which I think, and unfortunately, I think is in contrast to um, a lot of at times what a lot of churches can be known for. Right, if the church can be known for something like smelling and tasting and looking like the gospel, is what the church ought to be known for. It just has that essence. Um, I think that's what it means for us to be gospel centered. So. What is that, how does that practically play out uniquely right now? Like when you're talking about like what it means to be gospel centered generally and like services and culture, right? A lot of the context for ministry, a lot of the context for the local church to exist are different right now. So what does it look like to be gospel centered over the last five months? All right. So one of the big ways is uh, as we've seen um, a lot of, things be politicized. Um, the gospel centrality of the church has become, it's kind of gotten put in, in relief to me. Mm. I think there's a lot of, I'm trying to remember who, I've seen this a few different places, but there's this idea that when you plant a church, um, there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, one thing that you can do when you start a church to ensure kind of wide attendance is to pick an issue, a topic, and to, and to make that your church's topic. And what ends up happening is you have people that will actually drive for a, a while away to that church because what they'll say is finally people are talking about like the important issues. Um, and so, and you can make that really conservative or really progressive or whatever. It could be abortion or it could be, you know, any, you could li- take any list of things, even non political things. You know, like we're going to be the most obedient church or we're going to be, you know, the, the church that's most about loving our city or like, you can pick all sorts of different kinds of flavors of things. And you talk about that the most. And when you talk about it, that's the thing that excites you the most. And people can mm-hmm. see that. So maybe not even the most, the time you spend, but there's a way that you kind of go, oh man, when they start talking about that thing, they really get animated. You can tell that's like the animating force behind the church and behind why people are here. That's what makes you in or out. Like, and so as I see things around us get more and more political, get more and more tribal, get more and more uh, difficult to navigate without feeling like you're like signing up for a certain set of uh, principles or ideals or whatever to be a part of something, I see uh, a gospel-centered church as existing in distinction from that and saying that those things, while maybe they are extraordinarily important, again, it's a million things you keep talking about, so the levels of importance are going to differ. They might be important, but they are not the gospel. They're not what unites us. They're not what centers us. And they cannot be what we build a culture on. Mm. Because if they are, then we are no longer keeping the gospel as of first importance. And at some point, when you lose that centrality of the gospel, you lose Jesus with it. Hmm. Jesus and the gospel are essentially synonymous. Hmm. Like we can't start thinking that it's like a set of facts about Jesus that we're really talking about. 
it is him, his person, his work, his mm-hmm. continuing work for us that is tied up in the gospel. It's gospel should be shorthand for all of that and all of him. Um, and so we can talk about Jesus as well. You lose him when you lose that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, over the last several months, I've seen people look more and more to what I would say are secondary things for a sense of belonging, a sense of meaning, a sense of stability. And I would say I've seen in in the church community I've been a part of and plenty of others as well, but I just yeah, don't know yeah. them that well. Yeah. Um, I've seen people go, no, the thing that gives me stability, the thing that gives me a hope, the thing that gives me belonging is not going to be any of that. It really has to be Jesus and the community that he creates around me. Even if we can't see each other the way we'd like to, that's still our animating, our, our most exciting uh, uh, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that it's, for a lot of people, the pandemic has brought to light the ways in which we've been leaning on something else. Um, and obviously that's true of everyone, uh, to some degree, but I think specifically for Christians, um, in this time, it's, it's, I mean, God pulled the rug out under everyone. And I think there's this very real sense of just like, I have for, I think for a lot of believers, like I haven't been leaning on him really. I've been leaning on, uh, something else that is adjacent (laughs) that's going to make me feel more comfortable and give me the illusion of control that makes me happy. That makes me feel like I have some purchase on what goes on in my life, give or take. And, and I think that just all of that has just been stripped. So I feel like in terms of practically what has happened is it's given everybody an opportunity. <laughs> it's given everybody an opportunity to keep it 100. Like just we are stripping it all away. What really matters like, and I, I've, been, I've been struck with this question of like God is saying, like, am I enough? And, and just the opportunity to see that more clearly um, and like, you know, loving your neighbor and, and you know, all these basic things like looking in on the sick and the infirm, like practical commands that we all know in scripture that we're like, oh, that's a great thing. But no, actually do them, <laughs> actually loving one another and, and, you know, doing that in a concrete way when it's more difficult, when it's something that I'm not comfortable with, when I don't have control over how it can happen. There's there's a beauty in that kind of forced leaning that has been really fascinating to see personally and also just to see amongst our church and just watching everyone just like, all right. I'm going to embrace this zoom. Let's do this. And it's just like, I'm not a computer person or I don't like it or whatever, but it's a connecting point. And it's, there's so much value now in these small things, these, these means of connecting. I think I've teased before, I think even on a Sunday morning of just about the greeting time and everything. And it's just like, man, how, how much would you like to shake someone's hand right now how much would you like to give someone a hug to check in on someone and like that's going to be such a sweet time and and in the meantime in in the midst of you know you know all the all the crazy it's just it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to zero in on like it's not hyperbole of denying yourself and taking up a cross and following him it's it's whole life uh submission whole life obedience and the ways in which we can see that play out um, now are 
are exciting actually, even in the face of the crazy. Yeah. I, I love how, um, I love how you point that out because I think that in a, in a sense, to the extent that we individually and as a community are gospel centered, this has provided an opportunity to, to highlight that to, and to bring it to relief and, um, and it draws deeper into it, right? That, that, and I'm, I mean, that's one of the ways that God, I believe, is redeeming this, right? He's, he's making us more gospel-centered um, by the things he's stripped away, by, by even the things he's exposing that we've otherwise either placed our identity or trust in or that we've um, even identified. I, I think this has actually exposed I, a lot of the different dynamics that we talked about has exposed what people found most compelling about the church, even Cornerstone West L.A., and my hope is that that it it's clarified that the thing that that ought to be most compelling about Cornerstone West LA is that the gospel's at the center. That the gospel created this body, this family, and that it is at the the core and center of everything we do. Um, and it it can't be anything else. So so I. I mean, as people are just continuing to, I, my, I hope that again, people just identify that, see that, hear that, and and they recognize it. Um, but to to the extent that they want to go deeper, grow, maybe uh, even in their own understanding of what it means to live a life with the gospel at the center, what it means to be a part of the church in a way that that places the gospel at the center. What what are some like resources, uh, maybe books? Um, I don't know, things to listen to, things to, to read or watch that, that you would suggest to people that like would be ways that they can just continue to, to take this deeper and to continue to, to dig in. One of the resources for all of these is going to be our equipping class um, yeah. that goes through the pathway, I mean, especially gospel centered in as much as you'll see how the gospel uh, informs all the different things that we pursue and, and look to as what it means to be a Christian in the church. Uh, Milton Vincent has a great little book called uh, the gospel yes. primer yeah. um, that we it's in our resource library now, say, but it's covered yeah. in uh, <laughs> plastic um, due to some construction. Uh, and there's probably other books and we, Greg we, Gilbert. We will, I'll bring it to you if you want. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, there's actually, um, I, did he put it in PDF or like there's, I'm not sure how he distributed it, but I feel like he, Milton was just like, I want people to have this. So there might be a way yeah. to get it even online um, and in a time when... Well, I mean, and you can find it on Amazon or whatever. I mean, it's like like five bucks. Yeah, Yeah, but it is... It's a great way to just meditate on the gospel and and the practical implications of it. It, It's... I think yeah, Greg great Greg Gilbert wrote a book mm-hmm. called What is the Gospel, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think is another one that's very short, simple, um, but quite profound just in terms of zeroing in on... uh, a deep uh, understanding of what the gospel actually is. Uh, Can you articulate it what does it mean and how does it what does that mean for your life how do you apply that so that's another uh good simple but powerful one go a little different um i think elise fitzpatrick's book because he loves me was a great book that is <laughs> yeah um about yeah. especially the gospel and identity it's a powerful book as well um i think uh another one maybe from a different perspective too is uh anthony carter it's also in our research resource mm-hmm. library called blood work how the blood of Christ accomplishes our salvation. Mm. Again, good. Some of them are more, these are more, some are more theological, some are more devotional, but all of it is driving you back to love and appreciate and trust in the gospel in your life. And 
Well, what's that Puritan one? Well, I was going to say, like, The Death of Death and Death of Christ. Well, there's that. By John yeah. Owen is, like, a big oh, boy. Yeah, Puritan <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's a deep dive, though. <laughs> John Stott has The Cross of Christ. Uh-huh. It, it's, so for people who maybe have read some of these we're talking about, not everyone has, but I know there's probably some people who maybe are readers. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've read a bunch of those. Is there anything... Like for me, that you would recommend. There's some great chapters in Knowing God by J.I. Packer mm-hmm. on adoption, oh, and adoption, the fruits of the gospel. His, oh, his chapter um, on adoption has come back to over and over again. Tim Keller's book on Galatians is all about the gospel. Yeah. is fantastic as well. And very well, what's, accessible. What's the one? It's like a, a white rectangle in the middle. It's like kind of blue on the outside. It's Jose Red. Like it's one of my a favorites. A white rectangle. With a white. Re- it's on a, the cover. Describing the cover. I'm describing the cover. <laughs> I assume it's one of those Puritan reprints. It's all no, yellow with the weird like. No, no, no. You know, like I'm thinking graphics. like like Jose. Read it and was like all about it for. It was a period of a the year. No, read, no, no, no. It was about. Oh. It was about the. Oh. Was it Sinclair I go- Ferguson? I googled. Yes. I googled. Yeah, white, what's the name I of it? Uh, the whole Christ. The whole Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sinclair Ferguson wrote called the whole Christ. It's yes. about this controversy. Yes. From you know hundreds of years ago, but it really does point out how the gospel and like your obedience kind of fit together in, in a way that for a lot of people is a real struggle. And it's a, it's actually not that hard to understand. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of a, um, to me, the reason I was thinking of it, it's kind of a bridge between like, what's the gospel, you know, something kind of popular Christian and like reading the death of death, right? right? Like a, a bridge in between the two would be the whole Christ. I, I, yeah. I, 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 it's a great book. I found it surprisingly compelling. I was just, I mean, it's about the gospel. I guess mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been surprised, but <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. One of the things I would say is that you can't just, uh, read things as good as it is at, at some level you have to meditate on what you read if you want this to produce not just a culture in the community but in your own life like you kind of have your own kind of personal culture your personal posture and way of being with others um, and the way to, to change that can't be simply to know more information uh, there has to be some kind of meditation and internalization of what you read and what you think and with the gospel you can take a lot of these books and part of the reason they're so good is because they're from people who have meditated on what this stuff means. And I've really thought through it and wrestled with it and come out the other side saying, here are some of the, you know, the jewels, the the joy, the the riches of this thing that should be at the center of our lives. But that doesn't have to be just them. You also can do that and should do that. And I would say must do that. And so when you read, meditate. But also I would say you need to take the Psalms, you need to take parts of the New Testament especially, and sit with them and meditate on them such that you find yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit having your heart reshaped in a way that looks more like the gospel, looks more like Jesus in, in your posture in life. And so even something as short as 2 Corinthians 5.21, you know, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. You can sit with that for a half hour or more in a prayerful posture saying, God, help me, help this get inside of me. And then you think about it and you think about the words and what they mean and why they are what they are. And you wrestle with it because you're going to find out there's ways you don't actually buy it. You don't believe it. You struggle with it. You don't want to, you know, have it be this way. And you've got to deal with all of that. And God, by the Holy Spirit, brings those things out in meditation and in prayer. And you find yourself being uh, what Thomas Watson, I think it was Watson, said, you're warmed at the fires of meditation. Hmm. And that's that process of not just learning more, but being reshaped by this thing that we say is the most central fact of the universe because of the person who's the most central person of the universe. Such a great reminder. I think we, we should we should end there. I mean, just uh, so core to who God has called us to be. This is by gospel centered. We mean Christian, obviously. Like this is what God's called us to be as Christians, and and it's what He's called His church to be. And so we, we hope that resonates with you. We hope you you recognize it. 
both in yourself and in the community. And we hope it also spurs you on to pursue it more deeply, um, even just through the, the, the quiet disciplines um, of prayer and meditation on the realities and depth of the gospel. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we will see you virtually uh, on Sunday. <laughs>